Listen, I don't know what to do with myself today. We are about to go so deep in the word regarding the Holy Spirit that I'm trying to tell you that the best thing that's ever happened to Omaha is about to happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit is about to run rampant in this city, in your house, in your school. So can we just thank God for the Holy Spirit just for two seconds? God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence, God. Hallelujah. All right, you may take your seats. Uh, we'd also like to uh, release our fusion students, all of our middle school students. We love you. We appreciate you. Everybody say, Mwah. Now, listen, I have been sitting on this sermon series for the better part of two years. But every time that I tried to pull it out of my, my repertoire of stuff, like how many of you guys have stuff that the world hasn't even seen yet? Like, you thought what I did last week was dope? You thought the last part of it was dope? Wait until you see what I got next. And that's what I was doing. And then this thing called Holy Spirit discernment <clears throat> would fall on Pastor Martin. He would say, like, hey, bro, you ain't ready yet. I want to make sure that you know that every single one of these weeks is not anything new that has been taught here at AWC. It's just a new look at what has been taught from before. And before we move forward in this Holy Spirit series, we have to give honor to the people that first introduced us to this conversation. And that is none other than Pastors Martin and Linnell Williams. Let's say good morning to you. I love you. I appreciate you. Good to see you. Thanks for rocking with us so tough. And then just as important, well, more important to me is my wife. I love you, sweetheart. You look good today. Yeah. She got business from the knees up. And then she's ready to knuck if you buck from the knees down. All right. So we're about to dive into a sermon series that I think is going to be like the pivotal point um, in your Christianity maturity. Somebody say maturity. If you're coming to this church, one thing that you're going to get is the word. But the second thing that you're going to get is revelation. The word is what God has breathed on paper and we read it. How many of you guys read your Bible? Don't raise your hand if you don't. It's okay. Lie. If you don't, don't, don't lie. You in a church. You know that whole lightning thing? It's true. It's true. But reading your Bible is necessary because anything and everything that you need from the word of, uh, that, that you need from God is coming either from his mouth or from his word. But in church, I think a lot of times we think that God's word and the word are two different things. But the word is God breathed. When I tell you we're about to break this thing all the way down, but if you can't get what you need from the word or hearing from God's voice, then you have to have relationship with the Holy Spirit. So really quick, before we jump into these next couple of weeks, I'd like to apologize to the unchurched and the overchurched. Overchurched, you spend a whole bunch of time tarrying. The music would come. And people would say the spirit is here. I want to make sure that you know that the spirit is not music. The spirit's not a feeling. The, 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 the spirit is not um, something that's paid in E-flat major. It, it's not black. It's not white. The Holy Spirit is not a culture, right? Okay, so, so I also want to apologize to those of you that are unchurched because of the fact that your relationship with Christ is being held hostage because of you don't know who the Holy Spirit is. I will go out on a limb to say that anything and everything in your life that's being held up right now is probably closely connected to your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know who God is, right? Everybody say amen. You know who Jesus is, say amen. But those two aren't going to help you in situations that only the Holy Spirit can. So we're going to break this thing down for the next couple of weeks. I want to bring to your attention that this is the sermon series that I'm asking you to bring the people that you love. 
This is the sermon series where I'm asking you to bring the people that you hate. <laughs> Some people are like, I don't know about that one, PJ. Hey, you know what? We're going to work on that. That's heart posture thing. Don't worry about it. We can get over hate. But this is the sermon series where if you were trying to figure out how to bring Man Man or your cousin Pookie and all of them, like this is the one. Because if they can get a grasp of the Holy Spirit, we can teach anything. You do understand that once you know the Holy Spirit, the most ridiculous things that are hard to grasp, he makes it simple for you. So at the end of this month, when it comes to big baptism, we have a number that the Holy Spirit has given us. But I honestly believe that God is going to help us reach this city by baptizing over 120 people. But the one way that you help is somebody say, bring your people. You need to bring them. You need to look at all of our resources as they come uh, through the app. Is that cool? If you don't have the app, make sure that you download it. If you're ready for week one, clap once. Let's jump right in. So this sermon series objective, I want to make sure that we set this thing plain. The reason why I give you anchor scriptures, the reason why we give you series objectives is so that we're not teaching the same thing week by week and that as you're watching it over or listening over uh, on YouTube or podcasts, that it's actually telling a story. Have you ever been in a class where it seemed like the instructor was teaching the same thing over and over and then he gave you a test on nothing that he taught? Hold up, folks. Uh, we didn't talk about that. And he'll say, like, well, if you looked at the syllabus, you didn't give us one, Mr. Richard. Well, the word of God is a syllabus, and we're going to follow this thing line by line. The objective of this sermon series is to assist you in establishing or reestablishing a real relationship with the Holy Spirit as your, somebody say, the helper. The hope is that if we can get you the Holy Spirit, he'll be the one that teaches you everything else that you need, and he'll fill in the gap. Now, really quick, now, if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. And I can say that because I know it's true. How many of you in the room need help? If your hand is not up, you should already ascend and be in heaven because you're perfect. But here at this church, we don't believe in perfection. We believe in what? Progression. So we're going to progress through this thing week by week by week. Is that all right? Let's jump to the first point. The Holy Spirit isn't only a presence or a power. He is an actual person. Remember what I said before, the Holy Spirit isn't something that comes on people. He's, he's not a ghost. Everybody go, ooh. Like, he's not scary. He, he's, 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 not, he's not there to frustrate you. He's not there to torment you. Growing up in the 90s, we used to watch this thing called Casper the Friendly Ghost. Like, he's not an actual ghost, but he's an actual person. And in the Bible, it's so interesting to me that multiple times in the Bible, Jesus tells everybody, not, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Yes, I'm going to die on the cross. Don't worry about me. But wait, because there's somebody else coming. Wait, there's somebody else coming. Oh, you think I'm dope? Wait, there's somebody else coming. Oh, you saw the blood on the cross? Don't worry about it. Wait, there's somebody else coming. It's almost like Jesus wanted people to not be so fixated on the crucifixion that they miss who was coming after it. But in Christianity, we've fallen in love with the cross. I want to pop your religious bubble just a little bit. Jesus didn't come to earth just to die for your sins. Him dying on the cross for your sins was a means to an end. The end is not the cross. The cross is a piece of wood. He could have used a dandelion. Jesus could have been ascended in the air. Like, remember, we talk about this all the time. We do not celebrate or we do not worship the electric chair. Why? We do not, well, we, we, anything that we use to execute people, we, we don't celebrate that. One other thing, Jesus wasn't killed. He gave his life. He wasn't murdered. Jesus, I almost don't want to say he was crucified. Like, yes, that was the means. But the end was, is that when Jesus said it was finished, that means that anything and everything that you can do, will do, or have done, it was all covered. Somebody say by grace. But if you stop there, you'll live your entire life in grace and no power. 
You'll spend every Sunday coming to the altar asking God to forgive you for things that he already says was already taken care of. So is that okay? He's not just a, per- he's not just a power. He's not just a presence. Somebody say he's a person. Genesis 1, 2, 1, I'm sorry, Genesis 1 and 1, uh, 1 through 2. Now, it's so funny. Every time that we start with Genesis, it's so interesting when Christians moan and groan. But it's like you want to go to trigonometry without knowing how to add. The reason why we stay in Genesis is because it's the only perfect two chapters in the entire Bible. All we're doing is trying to get back to this place called Eden. But God was so good that he made sure that Eden could happen in your home, even if it's not at your job. How many of you, you know you got Eden at your address? Like when I come to my house, there's peace, there's rest, there are angels encamped around me. There's a hedge of protection. When you come to my house, you might have anxiety out there. But here in this house, we don't do that. Yeah, the ooky spooky stuff. Yeah, we don't do it. Somebody say, we don't do that in this house. You're going to have to go down the street or unless you allow us to cast it out of you right here. You want to get the, you don't, then you can't come at the crib. You feel me? Genesis 1 and 1, it says, in the beginning, God created what? Heavens and the earth. I'm a little loud. Can you turn me down up here, please? The earth was what? Formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was what? Hovering over the surface of the waters. When we look at this word in the Hebrew, you got to clear your voice and you got to, can somebody say ruach? One more time, say ruach. This is the Hebrew word for breath. This is the Hebrew word for what happens in your lungs when you inhale. Everybody exhale. Now inhale. What you have just done is that you have taken the basic form of what is breathing in the life of God. When you do this, you are expelling everything on the outside of you to make room for what God wants to put on the inside of you. So every time, if you don't have another reason to thank God, just breathe. They're going to get it in a second. If, if, if your bills are not working out, if you're sick but you can breathe, you have a reason to praise the Lord. I don't know why we have to wait for God to give us the car, to give us the wife, to give us, to heal us from sickness. Like there are basic necessities that you have that you should be praising God for. The fact that I can open up my mouth, that I'm in my right mind, that I can breathe. God, that I woke up this morning. God, that you allowed a person that was attractive enough to find me. God, thank you. Everybody breathe in. Breathe out. Say thank you. Every time you take a breath, you should not be thinking that it's happening because your body has motor skills. You breathe when you're not sleeping. No. Every breath you take. Every breath you take. Every move you make. Y'all ain't safe. Stop. We'll talk about that after service. I, I forbid you to sing church music that's not church music. That's silly too. We'll talk about that in a second. Every time you breathe, it's reason to praise the Lord. Every time that you wake up and can see. You should praise the Lord. Do you know that there are people that are dying of diseases that doctors have no idea what it is? Do you know that there's somebody on hospice right now that wishes that they had another day just to say, I love you? Do you know that there are people that woke up this morning blind? They woke up this morning mute. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to give God a simple praise for the most smallest thing in your life. Go for it. God, I thank you. I can see. I can walk. God, I thank you. I can have my being. God, I know I got a hangnail, but at least I got toenails. God, I thank you for the hangnail. God, I got a paper cut, but at least I know I'm bleeding. God, thank you. I'm alive. Thank you, Lord. I threw my back out. Hey, at least you got a back to throw out. There's some backless people out here. I don't know how that works. Maybe, Darlene, you can tell me what that medical condition is. Ruach is spirit. It's 
breath and or wind. I think that Jesus, and I think that God wanted to use the spirit in this invisible in order for you to have to use your faith. You use your faith every day. As you were breathing, you're breathing in air, but you want to know something? Nobody's ever seen oxygen. But we believe in it. I, I hope you believe in it. Prove to me that you don't believe it. Hold your breath. Your body will tell you, hey, bro, we're going to knock you out so we can get some oxygen. The spirit on the inside of you sometimes will go on autopilot to talk to God without you even knowing it. Because your spirit is going to talk to God regardless of if you know or not. How many of you have ever been doing something and your conscience said, hey, you should probably go left? Let me pop another religious bubble. You don't have a conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. But you don't know who he is. And this is the reason why in our families, we can push family members that we don't understand away. The one with the mental disability, the uncle that's drunk, the one that might be same-sex attracted. We'll push people away because we don't understand them. Because in our humanity, if I can make you different, I can make myself better than you. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, Paul tells us that he would much rather you have the Holy Spirit than to even be married. I'd rather you have the Holy Spirit than to deal with your thorn because the Holy Spirit will say, somebody say, lead you to all truth. Ruach is when spoken, the word engages one's breath and their lungs. Let's go to Genesis 2 and 7. It says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. And read this with me, and I want you to underline this in your Bible. His what? His breath, somebody say he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. When we look at Genesis, God spends six days creating, but he only breathed once. When he created the lion, he didn't breathe into the lion. When he created grass, he didn't breathe into grass. When he created the firmament and the stars, he didn't breathe life into them. The only being Sorry, excuse me, excuse me. Um, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. The only being that God took and blew himself into was man. Not knowing who the Holy Spirit is is, like no, is not knowing that you need to drink water. And there are so many different Christians that are dehydrated trying to get what they need from Powerade and soda and trying to get it from other alcohol and trying to get it from sex with whoever and trying to get it from drugs. And it's just like if you take a sip of this water, everything else that you could ever need will be taken care of. And I want to make sure that you know that everybody in this room is thirsty for something. All of us have, a, have, a, have something we need to quench. But regardless, if it's not the Holy Spirit, look at your neighbor and say, you're going to stay thirsty. God breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils. And the minute that he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, we can tell by the Strongs that the Holy Spirit went from hovering to being inside of them. Please, please stay with me. Please stay with me. The Holy Spirit hovers because of the fact that there was nothing holy for him to inhabit. The reason why you need the Holy Spirit is because there is a specific space in your soul, in your heart, that cannot be filled until you accept him. So we have people, Mr. Vaughn, living in torment, but don't know how to quench the thirst, but will still try to do the same thing over and over, trying to expect the same results, and that's what Einstein called insanity. Sweetheart, if he was not the one yesterday, I promise you, boo-boo, he ain't going to be the one a year from now. 
But if you have the Holy Spirit, he would tell you. The Holy Spirit goes from hovering over the mists in the deep. And now, because God has breathed into man, the Holy Spirit, somebody goes, now he's inside of Adam. The problem, though, is that the Holy Spirit is holy. So once Adam and Eve bite the fruit, and it could be whatever you want, a papaya, an apple. It's really interesting when Christians and theologians, like, argue over the fruit. Like, it doesn't matter. We lost sin if it was a watermelon or if it was a grape. Like, the minute that they bit the fruit... It wasn't the fruit that made them dirty. It was their heart posture. Eve and Adam believed that if I eat this fruit, I can be like God. But they forgot. Since you're the only person in Eden that has God's spirit on the inside of him, you're already like God. You're already like God. You don't got to do anything. You don't have to try to be a better person. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm just like God. Because of the fact that God is on the inside of you. They eat the fruit. The minute they eat the fruit, their body is filled with sin. Once their body is filled with sin, now there's an issue. Because now the Holy Spirit can only inhabit vessels that are, what did I say? That are holy. So the minute they eat the fruit, sin enters their body. The Holy, the holy Spirit has to leave. Now that the Holy Spirit has left, from that point until this point, Generation after generation, the enemy has caused the Holy Spirit to feel like he's something that should be resisted. But he's the only thing that you need to make your life even better. Disobedience in the garden costed you your connection with the only thing you need. This is the reason why we talk about sin. We're not one of those churches that believes that, like, you can just be saved by grace. No, you need to make a confession. Like, there has to be a part that you play. You can't just say, oh, Jesus knows. No, I don't know about you, but for me, Joshua, not Pastor Joshua, not husband Joshua, son Joshua, but Joshua the man, I, my, my faith in Christ is so much different. When I got over my pride and told God what, I mean, he already knows, but sometimes I think we got to say it with our own lips to realize how crazy we were in that season. God, I dated the wrong person. As you're saying that, like, what in the world was I thinking? I don't even like, her earlobes were misshapen. Like, I don't want to give my babies those type of ear. Like, and now we'll deal with stuff for the eternity of our life rather than repent and turn around. Repenting is not a scary word. It literally means to stop the direction which you're going. Tell God, hey, you know what? This is the dumbest thing I've ever done before. Can you lead me to all truth? Then what the Holy Spirit will do is he'll pick you up, turn you around, and put you on the right path. Adam's disobedience cost us God's presence. Let me move on. There are some things I certainly can't guarantee. I can't guarantee that the person you're dating is the right person for your purpose. And you need to stop asking pastors to pray that prayer. If you knew the Holy Spirit, you would know. And let me say another thing. Most of the time when you ask people, do you like him, you shouldn't have to ask. Let me be vulnerable. When I had to ask my mama if she liked Vanessa, it wasn't Vanessa's fault or my mother's fault. It was my fault because I never introduced Vanessa correctly. And for some of you, the person who taught you about the Holy Spirit introduced him to you incorrectly. You heard about the spiritual gifts and the power that you'll get. You've heard about the fruits of the Spirit and how you can have peace. But they never told you that the Holy Spirit will also correct you in moments when you think you're right. 
<laughs> they didn't tell you that the Holy Spirit will literally hush your mouth to make sure that you can hear the voice of God. Like, there's a correctional part of the Holy Spirit that nobody wants to preach about because nobody in this world wants to be told what to do. Like, that's the reason why governments will fail, finances will fail, education will fail, because we want to be our own master. And just to pop your bubble, you are a terrible master of yourself. Like, you, point at yourself. Say, self, you are the worst person to judge you. We'll justify sticking a fork in a socket. Like, we're the worst masters of ourselves, but we don't want to yield to somebody else. Another thing that I probably can't guarantee you is that you'll never get sick. If you buy this piece of cloth, you'll never get sick. Well, now do you want people to believe in your spiritual gift or the spirit? Because you do know that you're not gifted. The Holy Spirit has the gifts that he lends to you. And just like he lended them to you, he can take them away from you. Also can't promise you, if you choose your battles wisely, that you'll preserve your energy. You know how we say that? Preserve your energy. Choose your battles. I don't know about you, but choosing your battles takes more energy than fighting battles. Y'all know me. You know my tongue. There'll be moments I'd be like, That takes more energy than doing this. Because now you have to practice this thing called self-control. Please write this down. Accepting the Holy Spirit isn't extra. He's essential. The Holy Spirit isn't the cherry on top of the Sunday. The Holy Spirit is the Sunday. I really want to make sure that you understand where I'm coming from. The Holy Spirit is not ranch. He's not a condiment. The Holy Spirit is the grits and the shrimp with no sugar in it, salt. With milk. That's a topic for another day. Like, so look at your neighbor and say, the Holy Spirit is all of it. But if the enemy can make you think that he's essential, he doesn't have to torment you because you don't have what you need to help you anyway. Let me prove it to you. John 14, 25 to 27. It says, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. This is Jesus now. But the, somebody say the helper. Somebody say the helper. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send who? In my name. Which means that if I'm sending him in my name, you should see that it's me. How many of you guys have kids? How many of you guys have more than one child? You know that conversation that you give the rest of your little people when the, when the oldest one walks in the room? When you see him, you've seen me. When you've seen the oldest, it's just like daddy walked in the room. Right? But if he can't get the job done, then daddy got to walk in the room. And thank you so much that, you know, that daddy walked in the room. Because parents walking in the room at those moments where your kids are being quiet, you might have saved them from something that was going to turn to an addiction that they would carry for 40 years. Thank you for bursting in the room. Thank you for using the Holy Spirit to be like, you know what? No, you can't go to man man's house. Wait a minute. He has brothers and sisters. No dad in the house. Yes, yes, you can't go spend the night. Like, thank you for every parent in the room that has ever used the Holy Spirit and something didn't happen. That's actually the proof that something might have happened, but you missed it. We think that the Holy Spirit saves us from car crashes and planes going down. But sometimes the one thing that he saves you from is meeting the wrong person at the Starbucks that you always stop at before you go to work. Had you met him, sis, you would have wasted 15 years of your life committing to a man that didn't want to marry you but only wanted to. Okay, let's move on. So, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, from who? The Father will send in my name. Read this with me, please, with a big chest. He will teach you 
all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, which means that the Holy Spirit is peace. Peace isn't something that you generate on the inside of you. Peace is a benefit that you get once you receive the Holy Spirit. Is this okay this morning? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. To refuse the Holy Spirit, I want you to write this down. To refuse the Holy Spirit is to refuse knowledge, wisdom, healing, and the essential power that you need to resist your flesh. Let me break it down just a little bit, a little bit more. David, can you come with me? So somebody say, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There are three different uh, personas of the same person. Joshua is a man. He's also a husband. And he's also a, a son and a brother, right? Like, I, when I'm with my wife, it's, I'm not, not a brother. When, when I'm with my dad, I'm not a husband. I'm all of them all at the same time. I think that somebody's getting free even now. So really quick, let me, let me break this down. What is this? If you use a scientific term, this is H2O. Two hydrogens, one oxygen gives you water. What, what, what do you use water for? Drink it, you water things. So you would almost say that water is essential to life. What is this? But if we break this down, this is ice in another persona. It's still, somebody's getting free. It's still water. It's just taken on a different form. If I want to cool down my drink, I don't pour more water into my drink. I pour ice into my drink. But wait a minute. What is this? This is dry ice. Dry ice is carbon dioxide that's been solidified. But if you look at the dry ice, if you add what part is over there, this will turn into something different. God the Father is essential. He makes up all three. You don't get Jesus without God, and you don't get the Holy Spirit without God. He's in each part of these. You don't get Jesus without God. You don't get the Holy Spirit without God. Jesus is God. Three in one. So you can't get Jesus without God, but you can't get the Holy Spirit without Jesus. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit until you receive what Jesus did on the cross. I'm trying to make this so elementary for you. But then we got the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just work on your behalf until he's activated. So when you add the best part who is God, and you add a little bit of Jesus' knowledge to understand the Holy Spirit, when you add all of that to the Holy Spirit, he'll start to overflow in parts of your life. That you've, and he begins to take up everything that you see and now you have an understanding that now instead of having to go to God separately, go to Jesus separately, I can get all three in the same one. 
you have been praying to God separately, Jesus separately, and don't even know the Holy Spirit. But if you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll get everything that you need because this is God, this is God, and this is God all at the same time. But many of us are afraid of the smoke. You're afraid of what that is. You're afraid of ba 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 shake it. Like, like, that's weird. We can't talk in tongues. I can't move when something happens. And God is like, if I can get this to you, you will be able to do everything that you need. You can't get God without Jesus. And you can't get the Holy Spirit without Jesus. But if you don't have God, who is the essential, there's water in everything. Do you know that almost 98% of your body is made up of this? If you resist this, you will die. If you resist this, you can drink some stuff, but it's going to be nasty. But if you resist this, that little purpose that God gave you, newsflash, it doesn't work without the Holy Spirit. Your little marriage, and I can say little because we're only two, month, two years into it. It's a little marriage. But our marriage is where it's at, not because Joshua was a good man, but because there's something that hovers over our marriage. There's something that gives us what we need. Somebody stand up and say Hallelujah. You need all three. You need all three. But what the world wants you to believe is that smoke is weird. What the world wants you to believe is that speaking in tongues is not something that we do. What the world wants you to believe is that the moves of God are only for the Pentecostal church. And it's not for black people. It's not for brown people. It's not for people that speak in different languages. The universal language of the world is not English. It's speaking in the Holy Spirit. It's the only language where we can talk and not know what each other is saying. But the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, will interpret on your behalf the moans and the groans. I'm sorry. Let me chill out. Let me chill out. Somebody say, you need all three. Stop praying to God for stuff that only Jesus can do. Stop praying to Jesus for things only the Holy Spirit can do. Let me prove it to you. Point number three, refusal of his spirit is refusal of your life. To refuse the Holy Spirit is to be out in the desert and somebody hands you a cool glass of water and because of your ignorance, you think it's poison and you don't drink it. Then dying in the desert, going up to heaven and trying to curse God. Man, how could you let me die? And God's like, you didn't show up, Jesus. I sent buddy with water. Well, I wanted you to show up. John Fort, somebody is going to get free today. Did that help anybody? You need all three. John 14, 15 through 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Your problem and my problem is that we think the only commandments were the ones that were given to Moses that were on the tablet. The biggest lie that the church has ever told you is that there's only 10. In the Bible, there are 257 places where God Jesus or the Holy Spirit says, I beseech you, therefore, but brethren, I'm telling you, I command you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I'm tell so it's not just the 10. So if you've been taught wrong, it would tell you this, you don't need the Holy Spirit. That is wrong teaching. The only thing that you need is teaching. I would much, I mean, the only thing you need is the Holy Spirit. I would much rather you learn about the Holy Spirit than you forgive. Because the Holy Spirit, if you really got him, will torment you to the point where you have to find peace. And the only way in which you can find peace is saying, you know what, I don't like it, Mr. Dwayne, but I'm sorry. 
You want to know how you know a mature, a, a mature Christian? If you've ever heard them say these three phrases, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I need help. Young lady, you should not marry him until you have heard him verbally say all three without coercing him. He should be able to say, I'm sorry. And it shouldn't make him feel any smaller. He should be able to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong. And you want to know what else? Your man or your woman, whoever, you go into business, you need to make sure that person knows when they need help. The problem with the Christian church is this. We know we need help, but we're afraid to ask for it. So we would rather struggle in life than to ask the only person that can help us. Your therapist can help you in part. Your counselor can help you in part. Your pastor can help you in part. But you want to know who knows all truth? Somebody say it with me. The Holy Spirit. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to become comfortable with being the person that might be called a bigot. Can we get to the real gospel of the kingdom this morning? Your kingdom walk with Christ isn't going to be all grits and gravy all the time. It's going to cause you to say in front of what the culture is saying, saying no and knowing that it might cause you a little bit of torment in the world. But the word of God says that whoever suffers on, on behalf of my name... Richer will they be in heaven. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand in a culture where I feel like something's being shoved down my throat and I can't even introduce the person that I know. That's good to know what you think, world. That's awesome to know what you think, government. But the word of God is what I believe. Pastor Joshua, are you a Democrat or a Republican? That's the dumbest question that you could ever ask me. The minute that I got saved, I didn't vote for a political party. I used the Holy Spirit to tell me who to vote for. Oh, Joshua, it's that practical? When I tell you that the Holy Spirit is that practical. Me and my wife went on a vacation to Mexico. Out of nowhere, my mom says, you know what? That's a really nice um, um, uh, resort that you're thinking about. Maybe look at this one. Well, my mama sent us, you know, I'm aesthetic. I want it to look a certain way. I want to take a picture of my wife and I put it up on my wall. Because the best pictures in my life, you don't get to see. They're at the crib. Why would I send you a picture of me hugging my grandma? That don't mean nothing to you. My mama said, you know, you might want to go to another resort. Come to find out when we got there, the resort that we were going to stay at ended up being taken over by the Mexican cartel. On the beach. Now, don't you think that Joshua had to humble himself and call his mom and be like, you know what, I still don't like this resort. But thank you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will take care of you even when you don't feel good about him. Name me one person on earth besides your mama, your girlfriend, or your wife that will love you through your ignorance. Somebody say, help me, Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is part of your obedience in the kingdom. It says, don't kill, don't steal, don't cover another person's spouse, covet another person's spouse, don't bear false witness. But then he also says, receive the Holy Spirit. Yielding to, learning from, and leaning on the Holy Spirit is not a suggestion it's a command. God tells you, receive the Holy Spirit. To not receive the Holy Spirit is to say that Jesus died in vain. Remember what I said before. Let's backtrack. Jesus didn't only die to save you from sin. 
Jesus died to save you from sin so that you could then be holy so the Holy Spirit can live in you. So if you're walking around, you can be saved and go to heaven but live a terrible life on earth. But I'm only 29. There are some things I haven't seen with my family. There are some foods I haven't tasted yet. Like filet mignon down at like the best steakhouse is great. But it probably tastes a little bit different off the coast of Spain with a drink that has no alcohol in it and, and shoes are optional. Toes are in the sand. It's 85 degrees and I ain't got my phone. It doesn't work. The same steak, but the place in which it's at, it's different. I don't want to live my life knowing that I can eat steak spiritually in the kitchen where God wants me to be able to do it anywhere and everywhere. I command under the power of the Holy Spirit that your mind would open to the possibilities that the Holy Spirit Spirit is keeping from you because you don't know him. You get benefits because of familiarity. All of you are not going to come to my house. You're not going to have my number. You better be glad. You don't want everybody in this room to have your number. You know how many unsolicited phone calls you would have? Oh, remember, we call you uncle. Well, Johnny needs another pair of shoes. Like, well, I got seven other babies that need a pair of shoes. Like, you get privileges with people because you know them. And you will not get the privileges that we teach about every Sunday until you receive the Holy Spirit. You can pray for peace all you want. But the Holy Spirit is the bringer of peace. That's like wanting food, Chad, but never calling Grubhub. And then dying hungry and being like, Grubhub is a terrible company. They never showed up. But I prayed. No, you got to call them or use the application. Somebody say, use it. Matthew 12, 31. Is this good this morning? There's nothing done or said that can't be forgiven. But if you deliberately persist in your slanders against God's spirit, you are repudiating the very one who forgives. So if you spent the last 20, 30 years of your life saying that you don't need the Holy Spirit, Matthew is telling you that that's the equivalent, that, that, that's, that's equal to sin. Refusing the only, you can't ask God to help you forgive somebody without the Holy Spirit. So you need him. If you reject the son of man of some misunderstanding, the Holy Spirit can forgive you. All of those people that rejected Jesus, even the centurions that crucified Jesus, Jesus was able to go to hell in the grave, preach the gospel of the good news, take the keys back, bring back dominion, and take care of all of those things because of the fact that you can deny Jesus and still be okay. But based on the word, when you reject the Holy Spirit, you are sawing off. Read it with me. You are sawing off the very branch on which you're sitting, severing by your own perversity all connection with the one who forgives. Jesus, remember when he said, it's better for you that I go? The reason why the disciples were in tears and didn't want Jesus to leave it's because they hadn't known who the Holy Spirit was yet. But Jesus is trying to let them know. The whole reason why I've been here for 33 years is to let you know that even me as Jesus couldn't do what I need to do without the Holy Spirit. But, bro, I got to die so that you can get holy so that you can have my friend. Look at your neighbor and say, there was a price that was paid. Not receiving the Holy Spirit is like having the receipt and the keys to your dream car and never getting in it but knowing you have access to it. That house that you talk about that God shows you in your brain, resisting the Holy Spirit is having the keys to the house that you want and deciding to live in a box on the front lawn. The house is yours if you would receive the gift that was given to you. You want to know one of the worst things I hate is when I give a gift to somebody 
and they try to tell me I spent too much. I know how much I spent. I don't spend a dollar unless I know I can, it's a value. When I give little kids gifts, that was $300. I know I spent the money. God is like, why are you worried about grace when great, you don't have to just receive it. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to cry. You don't have to sit there and cry all night long. You don't have to go. You don't have to get so good in your faith before you come to me. That's one of the biggest lies ever, that you have to go a week without watching pornography or go a week without drinking in order to be good enough to ask God for grace. You can be in the middle of doing the very act of what you are asking God for grace for and ask for his grace in the moment. But if we don't teach you that, we'll have an entire world that will go to hell. Because they never knew that what they needed, all they had to do was receive it. Look at your neighbor said the price was paid. Please go to the next slide. Help comes from the only one who is equipped to help you. Growing up, I really struggled in math um, to the point where it was, to me, kind of embarrassing because they used to give me an extra 15 minutes on my test. Now, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm special. My teacher want to make sure I get an A. But after, like, the third or fourth test, and, like, we had an hour in class and everybody was finishing in 30 minutes, being in there taking the test by yourself, it starts to talk to you. Hey, bro, you might be behind, my guy. What you think is a benefit actually might be a setback. So I would go home, and I would ask my parents to teach me math. And, you know, my daddy, I don't know what to tell you, dog. My mom would draw certain things. But then my parents, they reached out for help. And they got me a tutor. But Joshua refused the tutor for the first two weeks because I didn't know her. My parents knew what I needed. Oh, God. Just, just. My parents knew I was failing. They knew that what I was asking for from them, they couldn't give me. So they used their time, their money, and their resources to go and find me help outside of our house to help me. Then when they brought her to the house, my funky tail didn't want to receive her because I didn't know her. So for two weeks, I struggled. But then at some point in time, Joshua had to get over his pride and realize if Joshua wants an A in math, I'm going to have to do this curse word, submit to the one that actually knows. If you submit your life to the one that knows, all the stuff that we're working hard for, isn't it interesting that the only time that Jesus told them to pray, he only taught them to pray one prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God never taught us how to suffer in prayer. God never taught us how to pray, God, if it be your will. He never said that. God, if it be your will, let my car crank up. That's not faith. According to what Jesus has said, that's begging. And also he said, I've never seen my children beg for bread. So if you're using your prayer to beg, I promise you those prayers aren't going to win. Okay, I, I'm starting to see, I'm starting to see pitchforks and torches. Let me, let me go to the word. Here we go. They're all the same. Somebody say they're all the same. Can you please throw up my art? This is going to set somebody else free. Each part of God has a name, a function, a status, and a location. Let's start with God. His name is, somebody say God. But his name is Father, our Father, okay? But God's function is creation. Let me prove it to you. 
Genesis 1 through 4. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were, com- were, were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work that he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested. Verse 3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work of creation. He did what? He rested from all the work of creation. He what? Rested from all the work of creation. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Let me tell you something. God did all that he was ever going to do in seven days. When God got done creating, it says that he rested. God is still resting. So God's function is creation, but guess what his status is? He's set apart. Since God is holy, he's not coming to earth to go to the hospital and feed babies. If God comes to the earth and takes care of all of the issues, then your purpose means nothing. The reason why you got purpose is to be able to do what God can in the earth. God, would, this is so interesting, almost crazy. Even though God can make everything happen, he chose to allow you to be a part of his plan. God said, I can come down and heal the sick, but what would flex on me the most is if you go and do it for me. So if you walk by people that are demon-possessed, that are dealing with stuff, you pray to God to give you the power to introduce him in the situation. God, his name is Father. His function is creation. His status is set apart. But his location, where is he? He is in heaven. God is not coming to feed children. He's not coming to to build a beaten and battered woman's shelter. He's not coming to, to take care of the disabled. Guess whose job that is? But then people are like, well, if God is up in heaven, I might as well pray to Jesus. Oh, I got you. Jesus. Jesus' name is son. He's a little one of the big guy. Had Adam not sinned, Jesus would have never had to be. Jesus was created for his only function, which was salvation. What God did in seven days, Jesus did in 33 years. I'm really, I don't want this to go over your head because the next couple of weeks are going to be important on this part. God created the earth in seven seven days. Jesus spent 33 years showing you how to walk on earth. So then that means that now his status is seated. When you pray to sweet baby Jesus in a manger, by the way, he grew up. So at Christmas when you sweet baby, he's not a baby anymore. Matter of fact, now that he's in heaven, he's no longer man anymore. He's all God. Okay? Sweet baby Jesus, we want to thank you for these parsnips. What are parsnips, by the way? Anybody eat parsnips in the room? I don't know. All right, well. So you can be praying to the wrong one. Okay. Jesus is the son. His function is salvation. He's seated. Let me prove it to you. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said what? I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it up to uh, the hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, what did he say? It is, somebody say it, finished. Then he bowed his head. Luke twenty-two sixty-nine 69 says this. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. So Jesus isn't coming to earth either. Because of the fact, since he's seated, his location is also heaven. I'm trying to make this elementary. Is anybody lost? 
Okay. And if you are lost, I know I was that person in school. I ain't lost being lost as a mug. Go up. I don't remember nothing you said, but I was too scared because there's 100 people in this classroom, and I don't want to be the only one that didn't know nothing. It's okay. That's why you got Holy Spirit University that our pastors are going to teach. And if you're ready for that, clap once. Okay. But now we've got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's name is Holy Spirit. You thought it was something different. No, it's Holy Spirit. But his only function is to help you. Isn't it interesting that God's function isn't to help? Jesus' function is to save you. But he sent somebody else to help you. Then if we look at his status, he's active. Okay, 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 okay. okay. The Father is set apart. Because he's holy, he can't touch sin. Therefore, he's in heaven. Jesus came to earth. He died on the cross in order for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Once he did his job, he said, it is, somebody say, finished. Once he said it was finished, he really meant he was finished. So when you say, we praise you, Jesus, he's at the right hand of God. The Father, like, man, I love that song, but I am not coming. Man, I love that song, but I, he's not coming. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not coming. Jesus is seated, but the Holy Spirit is the only persona of God that is active. So the part that the church is resisting is the only part of God that he gave to live on the inside of you. So we have people that are being taught on grace, being taught on tithe, being taught on honor, being taught on family, but they have no understanding of the Holy Spirit. So all of that teaching is rubbish because of the fact the only way that you can get a revelation of why tithing is important isn't by practicing it. It's by revelation by the Holy Spirit. Marriage counseling doesn't make you love your wife better. If you have the Holy Spirit, he will help reveal to you the stuff that the therapist doesn't know about your wife because your therapist didn't make her. Wouldn't you want to know who the manufacturer is of everything that you touch? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Is this helping somebody say yes? I only need three of y'all. Say with three, two or three of y'all together, he's there, so I'm all right. The Holy Spirit is his name, his function, his helper, his status is active. And guess where his location is? He's on earth. He's not in you until you receive him. So that gospel where people say that when Jesus died on the cross, you received the Holy Spirit, it's not true. Jesus dying on the cross didn't save anybody. It gave us an opportunity to receive salvation. I, I, when Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit didn't just say, oh, there he is. Shoot. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit in some of your lives is still hovering. Oh, my God. Can I get two more minutes, please? I, to, to, I, I'm over time. I just, we talk about. For some of you, the Holy Spirit looks like this over your head but not in your life. So as you're going on multiple dates, he can't help you pick the right one because you haven't paid for his services. He can't help you find the right business partner because you haven't paid for his services. 
And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is weeping and moaning over people's lives right now, saying, bro, if you would just accept me, I could help you. If you would just receive me, I could help you. That business plan that you keep beating your head over, the thing you, need to, you think you need to go to four years of university for, bro, I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm the one that gave them the knowledge to write the books about what you're wanting to learn. Don't you think I can give you in four minutes what they can give you in four years? And because we don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit, I believe he's going hoarse, screaming at Christians. Let me help you. But we can't hear him. And our lives look like us walking around doing meaningless, purposeless things with the only person that has everything we need tailing us. God is not coming to fix your marriage. Jesus died for your marriage. But the Holy Spirit is the only one that can help you. When God created the tree, he gave you purpose to see the chair. When God created metal, he gave somebody else the purpose to create the car. When God created the ground, he gave somebody else the purpose to create bricks. So when God created you, he gave you purpose to be the God in the earth. You're not God, but once you Whatever he is in, he becomes. So when you walk into the boardroom, do you know that the, that the land that we sold wasn't because Pastor Martin, Elder Butler, and Kevin Thomas are smart, even though they are extremely gifted. But their smarts come from the Holy, the Holy Spirit tells you when to sell. The Holy Spirit tells you to buy this and don't buy that. The Holy Spirit tells you to name your child this. Even though they say he's autistic, well, his name means strong. His name means that. Like, the Holy Spirit is the one that begins to guide your life. But look at your neighbor and say, you have to receive him. And a lot of us have unopened presents. Everything you need, you've been asking for the KitchenAid, and it's in the box, but you're afraid of what will happen to you once you open it. Let me solicit to you that speaking in tongues will be the least of the craziest things that you will do once you receive the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to glory to glory to God. The least of your worries is being looked at silly because it sounds like babbling. God will make the decision to use you to lay hands on somebody and their arm grow back. Well, Joshua, that's kind of like, isn't that kind of exaggerating? No, because I've seen it. Don't play with me when it comes to the old school church. Because Harvest Tabernacle is different than Ambassador's Worship Center. I mean, they're both the same church. But we are coming, you come from a breed of people that used to, in the parking lot, loose a demon out of somebody. The person would drop the drink on the altar, walk out, and never taste a sip of it ever again. And guess what? He's not working any different then than he is now. He wants to do the same thing. Do you know that the key to taking care of Omaha is not in OPD? It's not in the legislature. It's not in how you vote. The hidden key that takes care of sex trafficking in Omaha is not a policy. It's the Holy Spirit in you. If you go to this church and you're a teacher and you feel like you're about to quit, the only reason why you think you can quit isn't because the kids are bad or because OPS is a bad school district. OPS used to be the pillar of education in Omaha. But I think that if we had more teachers that knew how to even robotabashe under their breath or write it down, we would see more kids not just come to Christ, but become doctors and lawyers and become scientists and things of that nature. What if you use the Holy Spirit to love your wife? Not your own being. 
you can only be with that person romantically so many times. And then everybody said amen. amen. But in the times where you can't do it sexually, the Holy Spirit can do it spiritually. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not coming. Jesus, he died. He's not coming. Jesus died so that you could receive the best part of it all, which is the Holy Spirit. So I only have one question for you. I want you to give me one reason, point number five. I'm going to skip that because we could talk about that all day. Why wouldn't you receive the Holy Spirit? I want you to come up with an excuse today after I've sweat out my good clothes. Why wouldn't you receive him? You know what? No, I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to put these up. The help that we need is also, is only held up by the one that we resist. Ephesians 1.13 says that the Holy Spirit will guarantee your salvation. Jude 1.20 says that he will assist you in your prayer. You know that when you're praying and you say, I don't know what to pray. If you call on the Holy Spirit, he'll pray not with you. He'll pray for you. And all you got to do is cry. You know what Romans 8 says? It says that the Holy Spirit will interpret the moans and the groans of your soul. So when you're in your prayer closet like, ah, the Holy Spirit's like, mm-hmm, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. You getting all that? Because he's the only one that can interpret your spirit. Okay. It says that he intercedes on your behalf in Romans 8. It says that he regenerates and renews the believers, Titus 3.5. It says that he baptizes us into the body of Christ as Romans. He comforts and believes with you, Thessalonians. He fills the believer with peace, Romans. He defends our spirit from the desires of the flesh. You want to know how you run away from addiction and how you resist the devil? You aren't strong enough to do it. Pastor already said it. It's by the strength of the Holy Spirit that you resist what you're addicted to. Joshua isn't strong enough to fight addiction. But with the Holy Spirit, I get this thing called the armor of God once I have the Holy Spirit. And he protects me. Somebody say, protect me. He lends power through spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians. But listen to this. According to 1 Chronicles, he gives wisdom to better understand God. All of the gaps in your relationship with God, I don't understand how God could let them die. We prayed. You know how we talk about the mysteries? The only way that you can unpack the parts about God that you might hate because you misunderstand him is by receiving the Holy Spirit. So why wouldn't you receive him? Why, why, why would you resist? The only vaccination, that's 100 proof. Sanitizer only kills 99.9% .9 of germs. But the Holy Spirit cures 100% of everything. Why wouldn't you receive him?